Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying's the big one. But right now, many people are experiencing a host of other problems. Domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And often when I speak with people... I discover that they seem to be having trouble with the people that are closest to them, like their parents or siblings. People become angry and bitter and just don't realize that there is a choice. And it can be just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to be angry, bitter, and vengeful. This podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual areas of their life. But we are Anti-Bullying 101, and it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Well, welcome back, folks, to Anti-Bullying 101. And, uh, you know, a few years back, I did a, um, an article. And the article was entitled, My Kid Will Make It. And it was really about the unrealistic expectations that were placed on kids who were basically mediocre baseball, football, or basketball players. But because of either the town that they lived in or who they played against, they became a big fish in a small pond, and everyone expected them to make the major leagues or professional football or basketball. And I'm going to touch on a few things in this article today. 
I don't question whether or not there are bigger fish to fry in this world right now. I don't even doubt it. I mean, we've had our share of violence. We've had our share of bullying. We've had our share of kids getting picked on. We've had our share of community issues all across the country. All across the country, kids, adults, families are experiencing harassment, intimidation, and at some times they experience shootings. But I wanted to touch on this article today because I, I really believe that we have to have a realistic expectation and we have to have a, a clear view of the abilities that our children have. And yes, they may be very good, you know, in certain areas. But the bottom line is, okay, they may be very good, but they may not be good enough. And we, when we start to hang tags on them, like awesome and unbelievable and nobody's better and things like that, what, what starts to happen is pressure starts to build inside of a youngster. And that pressure can lead to a lot of other things. There was a, uh, many times, many times, because of unrealistic expectations, and even though the person could be outstanding in terms of their abilities, they end up having a whole host of other problems. As an example, Dwight Gooden pitched for the Mets in the early to mid-80s. He was on the 86 championship team. And in 1985, I believe he was something like 25-4. and four. Ridiculously low ERA. Struck out 276 batters. And Bob Gibson, who was an old sage and a great pitcher during my day when I was a kid, made the comment that the, the sad part is he'll never be that good again. And he never was. And the pressure from trying to be so good led to a lifetime of a lifetime battle with drugs and alcohol. Freddie Prince, many years ago, Great comedian, unbelievably funny, young man, was just terrific. Had his own television show, the whole bit. Couldn't take the pressure. Unfortunately, he committed suicide. And when we put unrealistic pressures on our kids and they can't live up to it, they begin to believe that they're disappointing us or they're disappointing others or they're dis even disappointing themselves. And, the, and that disappointment can grow in their head. And they can start to draw very untrue conclusions about who they really are as a person. So let me 
go over this article with you just a bit so you can see where I'm coming from. Now, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for the baseball season. And for over 50 years, it's over 60 years now, um, that's what I lived for. The boys of summer. And baseball players played 162 games in 180 days. It was fun. And I'm not a participant any longer, just a spectator. But every summer, from the time I was 8 years old until I was about 35, that's what I did. I played baseball. And as a kid, the dream was to become a professional baseball player and do it for a living. And kids today, I'm sure, have the same dreams and can see themselves hitting the home run that wins the World Series or pitching a no-hitter. It was a fantasy fest, and we all did fantasize, but alas, none of us made it. We played in and out of uniform, organized and pick up, honed our skills, took batting practice. We all thought we were so darn good, but in reality, not good enough. And there were some guys in town that we thought were just shoo-ins, that we'd see them playing in the major leagues some, at some point, but that wasn't so, so either. These guys were absolutely great ball players, but they never made it. So I started doing the math many years ago. And there are about 3,000 professional baseball players in the United States, and that includes minor league teams. And I'm not including Japan or countries that play in the World Baseball Classic every four years. There's 8 billion people, maybe more now, maybe 10, on the planet. So the chances are greater that a kid's going to be hit by, going to get hit by lightning and become a professional baseball player. Professional baseball players are the cream of the crop, and they have certain abilities that are innate to them and only them. And when scouts talk about a 5-2 player, they refer to a player's ability to run with speed, have a strong arm, can hit for average, hit with power, and can field the position well. These are all God-given abilities that improve with practice, but really it's all about natural talent. And I'm not too concerned about teenagers understanding those numbers. I think they do, but I don't think that the parents have a clear understanding of those statistics and furthermore believe that their kid is going to be the next Mickey Mantle. It's not the belief that's troubling, it's what parents do with those beliefs that can make life miserable for a lot of people. So let's be clear. Coaches coach, parents parent, and players play. Anytime these three things get commingled and they start stepping on each other's toes, it's a recipe for disaster with the player losing, and I don't mean the game. Let's take a look at what happens when each person in the group above doesn't know how to do their job and creates unrealistic expectations and start telling others how to do their job. Okay, so let's, let's just take a look at coaches. Okay, coaching, my friends, can be tougher than teaching. 
when teachers teach, they're in a classroom with students, and unless they're being observed by an administrator, no one is really watching. A coach during a game and at times during practice could be watched by a large portion of the community in which they work. They do this job at times for little or no money. They invest hours of their time into trying to help improve the athletic ability of someone else's kids and can be very underappreciated and criticized unmercifully by parents and at times by their own players. And that happens a lot. And that's scary. And this is why it's very difficult for people to want to get in and coach either in Little League or in high school or in middle school or community leagues because they are under a continuous microscope. Now, parents, I might add, who have unrealistic expectations of their own child's ability and talent. And I realize that parents are required to read and sign the handbook that lays out the rules for participation. And they should realize that their place, that their place during games but all too often in communities where sports is the centerpiece, parents continuously discuss the coach and sadly hold these conversations within earshot of their children. The coach becomes the object of rumors and gossip, is placed under terrible scrutiny, and there are parents who are just chopping at the bit for the coach to provide them the evidence to support their belief. And this all starts because of an agenda of a few disgruntled parents who believe that their kids should play every game, even if their kid's not the best pitching choice for that game that day. Teachers are hired for their expertise in a subject area and are left alone to deliver content to the students. When they are allowed to call, you know, to call upon their own creativity and don't feel intimidated by parents and potentially administration, they feel more confident and relaxed when they're doing their job. Coaches are hired to coach and they need to be left alone to deliver their expertise to the players. You see the point here? Teachers are in a classroom, they deliver the content, they're left alone. You don't have a group of parents watching them teach. However, on a coaching field, everybody's watching, including the community, and it leaves the coach wide open for ridicule and criticism. Parents who interfere with the coach while he's doing or while he or she is doing their job place undue pressure on him or her and rob the players of the joy of competition and camaraderie. So if you're a parent right now, do your kid a favor and leave the coach alone. He was given the job by a school district or a community that believed in him and his abilities to teach kids a sport 
and they get the best out of his players. Let the coach coach and let him do what they love doing. Get the hell out of the way. Just get out of the way. Because if you don't, you're going to communicate a very poor message to your, to your child. And, and he will then begin, or she will then begin to believe that it's okay to criticize the coach. Now, parents, parent. The, boy, I tell you. And, you know, your kid may be good at a sport, but unless he or she is the next Bryce Harper, who at the time of this writing was playing for the Washington Nationals, but right now he's playing for the Phillies, they're not making the pros. So why put all kinds of performance-related pressure on, on this kid? And if you ask any professional baseball player what their parents were like when they were in Little League, they will tell you that their parents said to just go out and have fun for the love of the game and nothing else. As a matter of fact, that's why they made it to the pros, because of the no pressure or expectations attitude. Parents need to parent, and that means encourage Nurture natural abilities and talents. Balance rules and regulations with, with uh, compassion and understanding. That's what parents need to do. Parents are their kid's life coach. And they need to point their kids in the right direction by instilling in them lifelong values and character training that breeds success in the future. The minute that baseball or any other sport becomes the benchmark for success, any game-related failures will result in the kid feeling like a failure in other areas of life. And they'll lose confidence. The confidence that's necessary to move forward. So, for parents, be a parent, not a coach. A life coach, but you're not their coach. Leave the coaching to the coaches and work with your kid to be the best he can be as a person, not as a player. If they're good people, they'll be good players. Use sports as a vehicle to help your son or daughter show off who they really are. Someone with character and values and someone who respects his teammates and other opponents and understands that there was only one person in charge during the game and practices, and that's the coach. Now, players play. Now, players play. Think about that. Think about how we just get kids to to participate on sports team, on sports teams. Players play, not workers play. What does it mean to play? Think about, now I did an article 
uh, and you and I might may connect it to this. It's called let's let's teach our kids how to play again. We call those who participate on sports teams players, not workers. And when you're playing, you're having fun. You do it willingly, and you can't wait to start doing it. You enjoy it. And that's what our kids experience today when they're involved as a player on a sports team. And to them, once the game becomes something that's organized by adults, the word play doesn't enter into the equation. Furthermore, kids don't know how to play today. And I will connect this article, this uh, other um, video on Let's Teach Kids How to Play Again to this podcast. They don't know how to organize themselves. They don't know how, they don't know, they, they don't really have anyone to play with and sharpen their skills that they learned at practice. Sometimes kids can live miles away from one another, but they play on the same baseball team or football team. Patricia, here is your reminder. Kids need to run around together alone and learn how to solve problems alone with, without, with adult coaching and not with adults hovering over them, offering correction because their swing was off or they, they didn't know how to catch a fly ball. Damn it, let the kids play. And if we don't, playing won't be playing anymore. It will be work. Leave the kids alone. Let them go out on the field, play, and solve some of their own problems. Now, how do you, how do you deal with this stuff? Well, the solution's simple. Let the kids play and stay out of each other's way. Easier said than done. And I've been asked for solutions to problems by teachers and parents alike. My response at times has been, I'm going to tell you what to do, but you're probably not going to do it. They either can't or won't do it. Egos are too big, and when there are folks who have some power, they use it to get what they want, even when... when it's not in the best interest of the team or the group. School districts and communities are controlled by the minority who don't always want what's best for a group. Sometimes parents don't always want what's best for their own kid, and they live vicariously through them, hoping that they will somehow bring completion to their own unfinished life. As a a society, we have lost some real professional and personal wisdom and we want to dismantle playgrounds because one kid fell off the monkey bars. Our kids are looking for answers, but we're too busy arguing with each other. Then they look to each other and they have friends, their friends, parents. Basically what happens is, is their friends parent them by proxy creating what Robert Bly called the sibling society where the ground is level and nobody's in charge. And that's a major problem that we have today. As adults, we've created this culture in a very innocent and unwitting way. 
And now we have to dismantle the Frankenstein monster, but we have to stop telling parents and kids what they want to hear and be truthful about their academic and sports-related ability, regardless of any unrealistic parental expectation. Billy Bean of Moneyball fame, was drafted in the first round by the New York Mets right out of high school. He was identified by scouts as a 5-2 player. Remember, we talked about that earlier. He played for a short time in the major leagues and then went into scouting. He never made it as a player, but became a successful general manager of the Oakland Athletics. He was successful but not as the player that everyone thought he would be. When Bryce Harper made it to the pros as an outfielder for the Washington Nationals, Davey Johnson, the manager of the team, asked him how he felt, Harper, and Harper responded, this is the most relaxed I've ever been my entire life. Harper knew that he was hit by lightning and that he was the one in eight Billion, who became a professional baseball player. He truly did make it. Everyone else will have to just keep on trying, but in reality, all kids have the potential to be great people, but not professional athletes. Even if kids get a scholarship, and they're all state in their sport, they'll always be a big fish in a small pond so let the kids have fun. Let the coaches coach. Let's help and help parents understand how unrealistic expectations can do more harm than good. Now, let me let me just go over this briefly with you. My name is Jim Burns. You're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. And that was quite a long article. But the point that I wanted to make here is pressure can do, can do tremendous harm to a kid. And kids need to be able to play. We need to teach kids how to play again and enjoy life. Kids don't need to grow up fast. Kids don't need to be parentified. Kids don't need to have greater responsibilities at, at ages that are inappropriate. They don't need that. What they need is an opportunity to enjoy life. They need to be kids. They need to be held accountable. They need to be you know, uh, surrounded by people who practice rules and regulations and compassion and understanding. They might be pretty good at certain things, and that's when we should let them have fun with those certain things and not put them in a position where they feel as if they have to please an entire school, a family, a community because of their abilities. Let the kids have fun. Let them do what they do best. They play. Let the coaches coach. They coach. And parents, parent your children coach your children, bring your children along, but it doesn't matter if they're going to be a professional athlete or not. What matters is the character they have as people and as individuals. 
That's what'll get them through life. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. It's Monday, July 11th. I'm here in sunny New Jersey in Manahawkin, which is in South Jersey, in case you're wondering, which is, I don't know, 40 minutes north of Atlantic City. It's 1.22 in the afternoon. I had a great time speaking to you. I know I read the article. Okay, so I read it. But the bottom line is I'm making my point here. And again, we've got a lot of much bigger fish to fry. Much bigger. But the bottom line is we can do this together. When we all know our role, we all know our job, and we all know how to uplift others, make them feel good about themselves. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, let's do those things rather than tearing people down. Let's do what we have to do to create successful young people. And sometimes what we have to do is we got to work with people who are a little older and help them become successful as well. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Thanks for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.